0: Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I state your name. I, 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 you solemnly swear. You solemnly support swear and defend, the Constitution, and defend the, the Constitution of the United States against, United States against, all, enemies, against all enemies, foreign and domestic, foreign and, domestic and, to and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. Then I, I will obey the orders of the, orders of of the President of the, United States, the United, States United States and the orders of. And the those officers, Those officers appointed over me, me. According, to according to regulations and the uniform code of military justice. Serve so me, so me, God.
1: Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the American Vet podcast. I am sitting here tonight with the storm of the century in New England coming. Uh, Getting about a foot of snow tonight, so that's going to be interesting, but I'm sitting here with uh, Logan. Logan did uh, four years, or five years in the Navy. How are you doing tonight, Logan? I'm doing good, and trust me, I know all about the snow, being here
2: in Minnesota. Yeah, you guys, um,
1: now, have you seen a drop in snow lately, or
2: anything like that? Actually, yeah, I would say this winter really has not had a lot of snow. Granted, I've been commuting uh, from here to Texas, so I've missed a few weeks, but, um... Yeah, something's going on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've I've noticed that too in New England. It's just like over the past five years, it's like winter, like probably in the past five years, we probably want to say maybe twice had a a white Christmas, you know.
2: Oh, no, I I would say this is the only year where it's been like that. Um, Yeah. Okay. Probably just waiting, you know, waiting around the corner.
1: Yeah, it's waiting for COVID to end and then it's going to come in.
2: Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, when
1: everybody wants to go out skiing and snowboarding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Logan, uh, you know, why did you join the military? Who were you kind of going before boot camp? What turned you into uh, going into the Navy?
2: Yeah, well, I was just thinking about this question because I've been listening to a few episodes of your show and I've been really liking it. Um, Thank you. I, I don't think I really knew at the time. I don't know if you had like a – from the beginning, you knew this is what you wanted to do. Yep. Um, I think a lot of people kind of stumble into it. Yeah. So at the time, I, I would say I, I don't know what triggered me. But looking back now, um, I, I think it probably started in my middle school years. You know, I think when you're at that age, you're probably most, like, influenced by what's around you, by people, role models or whatever. Right. And I think at the time, I mean, it sounds silly to say, but I, would, I was playing a lot of Call of Duty. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever played Call of Duty, but yeah, Modern was Warfare.
1: A, yeah, yeah, I played a lot of Call of Duty before I got in. I was a big stoner, so.
2: What was your, what's your favorite Call of Duty game?
1: Um, The most realistic one there, what was it, uh, I think it was on PS1 maybe, or PS2 or something like that. Like one of the first Call of Duties, the oh, one where you could do the.
2: 54 multiplayer?
1: No, it had multiplayer, but one of the uh, the campaign missions was like "Death from Above" when you're in a C-130. Oh, it was, uh,
2: Modern Warfare One, maybe.
1: Yeah, uh, Modern Warfare. Yeah, yeah, Modern Warfare. Yeah, I yeah, have the yeah. I have the remastered one now because I have a PS4, so I'm like I'm trying, oh, to, re- you. I'm trying
3: to remember. I'm trying to remember. Like,
1: movie. it's actually I, I like it. It's more. It's got more realistic guns and stuff like that. Not for up to date kind of gun firearms and. Mm. You know you can't run up the side of a wall and do all that <laughs> stupid shit you know it's more yeah, yeah. more realistic so that's why i like it
2: yeah that's good um yeah for me it was like modern warfare 2
1: um
2: so okay. right after that game and uh you know black ops black ops 2 modern warfare 3 those were the games i I don't i can't say like i was playing them and, and i was like oh i want to join the navy or like i want to join the army or do something like that right but I think I was just, you know, at a young age, a very impressionable um, age, where, you know, you take in everything around you, and I spent a lot of hours playing those games, like most, you know, middle school boys, and uh, yeah, I, I I think, I mean, (laughs) I just me looking back now, trying to come up with an answer, but
1: yeah, yeah, no worries. I mean you know, we all have, you know, some of us have, like you're saying, you know, some of us have reasons. Some of us were kind of like born, yeah, I'm going to do military or law enforcement or something like that. Some of us just kind of, you know, we stumble into it kind of, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about you. I'm not trying to say anything bad about you, but you know, there are people out there that are just like one day they just wake up and they're going, man, I just got to fucking do something. And they just go and see what their options are. And the next thing you know, they they end up signing the paperwork and they're gone.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's what it, I mean, that definitely played a part, like just graduating high school, not really knowing, yeah. you know, exactly what you wanted to do. Like for me, I thought, you know, college kind of seemed like a a sham or I was just sort of sick of education at that point.
1: Oh, I absolutely um,
3: hear you.
2: Yeah, you spend however many years, you know, inside of school and uh, not never getting really out to see the world. And that's sort of why I picked the Navy in specific, um, you know. They market that as like, you know, a lot of traveling and a lot of seeing the sights, but <laughs> then you get there and you're just staring at water for thirty days and you don't even know where you are, but
1: Yeah, I couldn't know, Matt. And, you know I I gotta give you, give the credit out there to the Navy guys like yourself and everything else is you know, before I started this podcast, I didn't realize mentally what the Navy guys go through. You know what I mean? As far as being on a ship and like, you know, one of my episodes, Derek there, he was talking about his deployment about, you know, you know, people coming up on little little fisher boats with 50 cows on them and, you know, trying to get you to shoot at them and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like I didn't realize it. And, you know, you always hear like, all right, being on ship, try to be in the ocean for six months at a time. And you're yeah. thinking, you know, a guy like me, I'm thinking I could probably do it because, you know, but then once you're actually in there, you probably because I also can't be home much too. Mm. you know this yeah group. so you go to the navy what uh what they offer you for as a mos yeah so i mean i remember my
2: recruiter like at first um when i when you when you tell them that you want to do the navy they try to sort of for some reason they try to steer you into like doing like submarine stuff and or yeah. like nuclear stuff
3: yeah
2: and um and i've i don't i don't know. I, I'm looking back now, maybe I could do, be in a submarine, but at the time it just seemed like even more, like even more claustrophobic. Like, I mean, like I said, I wanted to sort of go out and see the world. Um, but, uh, so I ended up really, I, I mean, my five years, I was mostly just like a cook on watch for the Navy. Okay. So, um, yeah, essentially I just, a lot of cooking and a lot of cleaning. Okay. Um, a lot of janitorial work. Um, the, the days are really long. Um, I think m- like my shift mostly was like, get up, start work at like zero four thirty. you know, prep the meals and whatnot. And then, you know, sometimes you're not done to like 1800, 1900 and, yeah, uh, a long day. Yeah. when you and when you're on deployment, that's like, you know, every day is like that and you just. Lose track of the days
1: and now, time does, isn't even a thing. Now, being a uh in the culinary field, do you still have to like learn? Is like I heard that like you know, Navy guys that are on ship, not only do you have to know your job, but you have to know like fifteen other jobs that are on that ship, just in case you know, shit ever hit the fan. Is that the same thing for culinary, or are you guys just kind of like, boom, this is all you're doing?
2: I wouldn't say fifteen other jobs. I mean yeah. I was being mixed. yeah, yeah. That seems like a lot, but yeah, there there are you know, you need to be you still need to get your quals and um you know, know what you're doing and just in case, you know, like emergencies, fire emergencies or you know obviously like swimming and whatnot. You need yeah. to, you know be have to... all of that down. Yeah, absolutely. Be able to not drown. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I do think compared to some of the other, like, Navy jobs that um, I do think the culinary specialists, the CSs, um, are a little bit, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but,
1: yeah,
2: you know, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much all you're doing. You know, you're, right. you know, right. a broom is like probably what you're holding <laughs> for most days, right?
1: Yeah. Well I don't I don't yeah. wanna I don't wanna downgrade your, your MOS or anything like that. I mean cooking is no. I mean I hate it when people come over to my house and my wife's like, All right, you're helping me cook. Like I don't you know, I can't I'm not that good at it to begin with. You know, I can yeah. I can smoke on my grill, but you get me in the kitchen, I'm all fucked up. But
2: Yeah, yeah. No, and Yeah. I mean there there are perks to the job too. Um yep. I think probably the the biggest perk I can think of is like you come into contact with pretty much everyone. Right. Right. I mean everybody has to eat. Um so you don't really nobody wants to really get on your bad side. Right. Um <laughs> so for for the most part you don't get like, you know there's not, you know, a lot of nobody's treating you bad or whatever. Right, absolutely. Was,
1: oh sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't uh it's like you're going through a drive thru, you don't you don't yell and be an asshole to them because they're just going to spit in your food anyways.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean like, yeah, we act, we have to feed everyone, but like, you know, portion size, you know, isn't, there's not like a strict, this person needs, you know, two pieces of chicken or whatever. It's like, I can kind of give me over, you know, sometimes a lot of the fresh stuff we keep in back. And, um, you know, if somebody was like, Hey, can you give me some of the fresh cookies and back? You know, you're like, okay, well, what are you going to do for me? It's, you know, you, right. you sort of build connections with a lot of people and because, I mean, everybody wants to eat. Um, I do have one, like, funny instance. There's this guy that was uh, really sort of annoying, yep. sort of, like, cocky and just very arrogant. And um, he was a vegetarian. <laughs> so for <laughs> for two weeks, we gave him meat, only yeah. options, no vegetables. And um, and after those two weeks, he started, you know, being less,
1: less of a vegetarian. (laughs) Well, yeah, less of a vegetarian, (laughs) less of a you know a hole too. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to ask you too. Have you ever had anybody kind of like say, "What the fuck is this?" When you're throwing it on? on, So, like, I'm in the Marine Corps and everything else. So, like, you know, I'm used to like MREs and like just crap food, unless. I'm near, like, an army or an, especially an Air Force base. If I'm near an Air Force base, I'm going to their chow hall. You know what I mean? I'll pay the money for yeah. the chow hall. But, like, have yeah. you ever had anybody, like, you put food on their plate and, like, I'm not eating this shit. What else you got? Or, like, you're
2: saying? No. No, I think, yeah, I would say the food isn't that horrible. Like, right. I don't know what your food was like. But, yeah, if you're comparing it, like, not as much to the Air Force, I would say it's closer to even what the Air Force. Oh, nice. Um, well, I wouldn't say that close, but we, we yeah. do – our A school is in the same building as their, um, you know, classes for, for culinary. Oh, perfect. So, yeah. So, I mean, we use the same facilities when we're learning about, um, you know, when we're at A school. But, um, crap, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I've never had anybody – you know throw it down or throw a fit like that and in that guy's case, he was just sort of being a little uh little you know you get there's so many attitudes yeah he's on, letting his rank him. go to his head yeah, yeah, yeah so sometimes you need to humble people
1: yeah so have you ever had any uh like food fights going on or anything like breakout or is it trying to kind of i've ne- so I've never been on ship. So like, I am mm-hmm. just trying to get it like a mindset of like, what's going on, on, on in, in your shoes for a day kind of thing. Like, is it all just cook and serve, cook and serve? Or is there exactly, you know, is there enjoyment? Yeah, no,
2: there's really no like downtime. Um, yeah. Like people think like, oh, you're, you know, you're in charge of the food. That means you can like pretty much eat whenever and like, you know, sort of no. I mean, because when everyone's eating, you're, that's the, you know, most busiest time. Right. Our lunch is usually like at 10 or ten thirty, And I think everyone else's is at like 11 or noon. Yeah. Um, so we have like 10 minutes to stand in line to, to get the food and then like 20 minutes to chow it down and like gather yourself, you know, it's just like a normal 30 minute break when you're working a job or whatever. Okay. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you're usually always doing something that's, one thing I'll I'll tell people. It's not like, oh, you know, this is a lax time. I can sort of chill out. No, you're there's always something to do. You're always prepping a meal or helping someone out or sweeping something up.
1: Yeah, and you gotta clean all the all the utensils that everybody you know, everything that you're using to cook and stuff like that. And so on a ship, like on your ship that you went to, like on an average, do you like cook for everybody on the ship? all at once? Like, does everybody all come down for lunch at once? Or is it kind of like, you know, you got, you know, is it broken up through the whole day, I guess?
2: Yeah, it's it's broken up through the whole day. So pretty much there's always like people coming in to eat, essentially. Um, That's why I said there's really no downtime. Right. Um, like I said, the most busiest time is like, you know, between the noonish hours. But yeah, like I said, I mean, our, our typical day, you get done at like 1800. And for everyone who you know isn't up on military lingo that's like six p m yeah. but um so it's like fourteen hour days and uh sometimes you even get out at seven p m and uh and then the night crew comes in to to sort of meal prep for the next day and whatnot that that's probably if 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 anyone's listening to this wants to go into the navy as a culinary specialist uh try to get a night shift because um <laughs> it's a lot a lot more uh lenient. Oh, outstanding. So
1: did yeah. you, did you join the Navy in in Minnesota or were you somewhere else when you joined?
2: Yeah. I mean, I lived in Minnesota when I like talked to my recruiter and everything. And then, yeah, when went to a school for five weeks in Fort Lee, Virginia. Um, yeah, that was a fun experience, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then I got deployed in Virginia, and uh, then later in the Middle East, which was interesting, like Dubai and Jordan, and a bunch of places down there.
1: Oh, outstanding! Were you able to like leave ship in Dubai, get any liberator, or were you just on the ship the whole time? I would say, when you stop at
2: a place like that, usually you get maybe two or three days where you there's n- pretty much no work, which, which is nice. Um, you know, that's part of the reason why I joined. It's like, oh, okay. You get to see all these places and whatnot. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, not, not too much free time, but you know, just enough to,
1: to, to keep your spirits high, I guess. Yeah. At least go out and see the culture a little bit, but not too much where you're going to see so much you get in trouble.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, I definitely wouldn't call myself, a, you know, an expert on any of those places or whatever, but right.
1: I had fun while I was there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, living in Minnesota and you go into the Navy boot camp, where do you go for boot camp? Like, where's the Naval boot camp out there? I, yeah, so I went to, um, Great Lakes. Okay.
2: Illinois. Um, and uh, yeah, boot camp. I it that felt like a blur. Like I, I was, I've been thinking about you know my experiences the last couple of days since I knew I was going to be doing this with you. Yep. And I like do not remember anything from boot camp. I don't know about you. If you have specific
1: yeah, I remember. You remember but- yeah, I remember quite a bit of it. But you know, it's more funny at this point now. It's 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 comical to me at this point because I get to laugh back at it now. But going through it, it sucked. What's it was your- horrible.
2: What's your funniest boot camp story? You told me you shaved your head before you.
1: Yeah, so I was definitely up. and I've asked a couple of my uh my guests on my show if they shaved their head before going to boot camp because I'm trying to figure out if I'm the only one or what. But yeah, I definitely you know, I was gung ho. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to shave my head before I go down to boot camp or whatever. Um because that's just the way I was. And you know, I got there and they still gave me a haircut. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> they made fun of me i got shit for it um but my funniest memory in boot camp for me was uh so in the marine corps we don't get you know we don't get to call home unless you knock somebody else out or something like that or you do something as a reward you get to call home uh so you get pretty much like a couple times a week where you can write a letter and they get sent out and stuff like that. that's about it that's the only communication with your family members well, one night my kill hat came into the barracks and you can obviously tell he's kind of drunk, you know. And, uh, one of the recruits that were, was doing fire watch. He, uh, his name was Newman. So he got a lot of shit just for that Seinfeld TV show <laughs> with Newman. So he got a lot of shit just for that. And yeah. the kill hat came in and he, uh, he asked Newman, you know, he's like, Newman, you want to call home? And he's like, sir, this recruit would love to call home. So he told the recruit to go to the window. And, the re- you know, the recruit does. And uh, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, open the window. And Newman opens the window and the kill hat told Newman, he goes, stick your head out the window and call home. Oh, my goodness. So this is like 3 o'clock, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And there's a recruit with his head out the window on the third deck just screaming as a telephone going, bring, bring. <laughs> and he made him do it like five or six times. And then he told him, hang up the phone, Newman. Your parents don't care about you. Get back to work kind of thing. But it was comical to me because I was, you know, the, the recruits sticking his head out the window going, ring, ring, <laughs> as loud as he can. And it's echoing all over Paris Island. <laughs> was doing it to be funny or was it like, do it right? Like, was it ordered? More of a- Well, it's, it's everything that they tell you is in order. When you're down, yeah. you don't really say no, you know, so oh,
2: the, yeah. the but kill hat stopped. was kind of
1: drunk and he wanted to fuck with, um, with somebody. Oh. So he came to the barracks and fucked with somebody. Hmm. So that's the, my, that, yeah, that's
2: funny. I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have just like called like, mom, I, I would have yelled that, but the dial tone's perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what he did. He, he first, he first started saying hello or mom or whatever. And he's like, no, Newman, you're a phone ring. Oh god. Gotcha. <laughs> you're calling home. They haven't you know that's what it, Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was very comical. But uh you take moments like that in, in boot camp when you're amongst all these other guys and you're trying to be the alpha male and everything else and you get something like that, it just brings morale up, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's important. Um yeah, life on the ship, I feel like the ship just like warped my entire experience like in those five years. Just yeah. like for the most part being on sea and just, I mean, that's just what you're thinking about. You know, you just so much in the moment. Um, yeah, I, I'm starting to, like, I'm remembering now the sleeping situations. It's like three bunks yeah. and I was on the top bunk and I mean, you're on a ship, so it doesn't, there's not too much rocking, but you know, if you roll just a little bit to your left or a little bit to your right, you're smack right on the floor <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, a couple times I fell off the bunk and in the middle of the night in my sleep.
1: And yeah, I'd be falling off every night. I don't, uh, I don't yeah. stay, I don't stay put.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think. I mean, the spaces are so tiny. I don't think
1: anybody would, you know, stay put in such a small space. Yeah, I would. Uh, I don't know. I'm not built for uh, ship life, like I said. I wouldn't. Uh, I would have had a harder time, I think, in in the Navy than I did in the Corps.
2: Yeah, I think the plus side, I'm just hearing you say that story about the calling the home is yep. like a lot of people do have like, you know, their tablets on the ship and whatnot. Um, there's not really Wi-Fi on the ship. But, you know, when you stop at places, every place, every country has Wi-Fi now. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you can stay up to date that way. and So that's sort of freeing, right? You don't have to beg someone to or knock someone out to.
1: Well, that's just that's just in boot camp. Once you get out of boot camp, you can go and have your own cell phone and stuff like. like, I'm not saying all the way through the Marine Corps you can't have a cell phone. I'm just saying, you know, for the three months or so that you're down in Paris Island,
2: oh, gotcha. Then maybe okay. Then maybe that's the bad side of the Navy is that your cell phone won't work uh, on the ship. Yeah, for
1: the most, no signal really. Yeah, yeah. I would. uh, I mean, it's it's. I was I was about to ask you what do you do for fun, but I know you've mentioned it a couple of times that you didn't really have any downtime. Anyways, it was just kind of. But what did uh, not so much as fun, but like what kept you from actually losing your mind from being on the ship, literally going back and forth all the time, just doing the same thing repeatedly over and over again. What really kept you to from losing your mind?
2: It's a good idea. Um,
3: that's a good question. Um.
2: I really couldn't. See, I guess like just seeing other people lose their mind, just sort of kind of grounds you. Yeah, if I can that see
3: that.
2: Makes sense. Like, you know, I, I mean, nobody like thank goodness like killed themselves while on any of my ships, but I know that's you know common in in the navy. Not common, but you know it happens. I've heard it happen. Um. So, like hearing stories like that and seeing, seeing people maybe who are, you know, having a harder time than, than you or than others sort of, I don't know what the word is, but it sort of brings you back down to reality and grounds you and sort of, you know, there's a reminder to just keep a, good head on your shoulders and absolutely yeah courage
1: right yeah absolutely definitely uh i understand what you're trying to say it's just yeah you you know somebody's there and and you're going through a hard time and you're watching somebody else it's kind of like uh you know seeing a friend of yours go through you know drugs become Mm -hmm. addicted to drugs really bad you're kind of like i'm watching them kind of destroy themselves in a sense so i don't want to do it but you know, in the same respect you're saying, it's kind of like, that's helped you because they were going through it. Yeah,
2: exactly. And it's like, yeah. Or it's like when if you've ever had a friend, if you've ever been in a sad situation, you know, even outside of the military and you and your friend are both sad, but your friend is like doing obviously more sad than you and crying on your shoulder. It's like, okay, well I, the energy is just like, you know, You're more sad, so I sort of need to be the shoulder for you to cry on right now. It's like, you know, we both can't be sobbing right now. One of us has to
1: kind of, you know, man up or whatever. Yeah, he needs it. You know, your friend needs it more, so let's fix you and then later we'll fix me because I'm
2: somewhat
1: somewhat together. Exactly, exactly. That's
2: exactly what it is. I think that's just a human thing, really. I think that subconscious thing in all humans.
1: Yeah, cuz nobody really, you know, truly like wants to watch somebody fail and wants to watch somebody go down. I mean, people hate people and stuff like that. They don't they dislike other people and you know, there's there was a bunch of marines I didn't really care for. Like, you know, I didn't really like when I was in. But I was I still don't want to watch them go down, you know.
2: Yeah. I will say the the vegetarian guy, I I was kind of fine with <laughs> watching him go down. He's really pain in the ass.
1: Yeah, and they're out there, they're out there, and, and it sucks too, because, you know, you're on ship, and I know ships are huge, but, correct me if I'm wrong, but, even though the ship is huge, you're not allowed to go through the whole ship, right? Or do you, can't? are you kind of segregated, like, you know, let's say you're on the nose of the ship, that's where you're supposed to be, and then you get caught in the rear of the ship, is somebody like, what the fuck are you doing here, kind of thing, or?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've never been caught in an area that I'm not supposed to be in, but, um yeah the I mean some ships are also bigger than others um but yeah, for the most part, don't wander around, you know,
1: right, yeah, there's just nowhere to every, go,
2: yeah everyone has the places they need to be, and
1: whatnot yeah and yeah that's that's another reason why I don't think I'd be able to do this ship life for six eight nine months at a time on the ocean. You can't go nowhere, you can't do nothing. you see the same people every day, you're doing the same thing every day, and then I don't.
2: But, yeah, I mean I don't recommend it. I think there are better <laughs> things to do. Um, I know it's coming on a veteran podcast probably not the best thing to say, but
1: I don't know. No, I I mean, mean, yeah, that's your opinion. I mean your your opinion is is like, yeah, you know, if if I gave you a silver dollar right now and said, Hey, you can restart boot camp till now all over again, you're probably not going C S. You're probably gonna go to a different MOS. Yeah. But then there's people out there that you know they're inspiring to be Another, you know, Gordon Ramsay. Mm. So, you know, maybe being culinary specialist is where they need to be or want to be. You know, that's going to work for them. You know, not every, not every person can do every MOS and get the same outcome and look back at it years later and say, man, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. You know, because like me, like me knowing, like, thankfully I'm kind of. I'm doing good now. I'm doing a lot better than I was when I got out, but had I known going into it would really set you up from when you get out more or less, then I would have played my cards a little bit different too. I wouldn't have went motor T.:
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, I love my MOS, but it doesn't set you up when you get out.:
2: No, and yeah, that's I remember my recruiter, you know, telling me. You know, oh, you you can even you know work your way up and cook for the White House, and it's like very few people go on to do that, and it's like right. they they dangle it in front of you like you're cooking for the president or whatever. And I mean, the president has his own cooks that right. you know are I mean, completely outside of you know the Navy and whatnot, and you're just cooking for his staff, and you might not, you probably won't even see the president at all. Right, right. You way up, and then yeah, they you know you have the chance to cook for, you know, you can work your way up and just cook for, like, one single officer, but then that just turns into you pretty much being his slave and doing everything, not just the cooking, but, you know, waiting on him yeah. um, for for just everything. It's Yeah, so, I mean, just do your research. There's, I mean, podcasts like this yeah. and, you know, YouTube videos, so um, don't make any rash decisions based on
1: Call of Duty video games or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and don't, uh, I guess what you're also, what Logan's trying to say too is, you know, if you go into a single branch and they tell you that, you know, this is the only MOS that's available and you're not, your heart's not into it, but you still want to go to the military, check your other options out, go to other branches, you know, or go home, don't sign nothing, don't go in yet, go home, study up, learn what you need to learn and then do better on the ASVAB and more doors will open up for you. Don't just take take something.
2: Exactly, exactly. I wish I had, you know, all the, all the stuff we have now, the YouTube videos and podcasts about, you know, everything back when I was, you know, young and
1: very impressionable. Sure, sure. And I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like, I, my life was a mess. I'm not saying your life was a mess, but my life was a mess my when I went in. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he could have told me open enlistment. I would have signed the paperwork. You know what I mean? I didn't really care what job I got when I was. I was like, I'm going in. I need to go in, and that's it. And like I said, you know, looking back now, I wish I did a different MOS. But you know, that's sometimes that's the cook. That's the way the cookie crumbles, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think I'm fine with you know being a CS. I think that was probably best for me. Like, I would have had complaints about anything, you know? Right, right. Um, but because yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'd ever be able to like shoot someone or in combat. I right. don't know if I'd have that in me. I don't know if anybody knows they have that in them until they do it though.
1: Right. And you know, and unfortunately a lot of those guys that actually did do that, they live with it for the rest of their lives. You know, and and it, it is it is a it's a huge struggle and I can't I can't speak for them. So I'm trying to pick my words carefully here, but I, was I can't. To say, have
2: you ever shot anybody?
1: No, no. I was I was like a garrison marine, is what they call me. I never actually deployed to Iraq or anything. I went out to the Pacific and all over the places out there, but I never actually went and did any combat, so. But like I said, I can't really talk to them about them, but, you know, it's, it's, everybody is different, you know, and like you're saying, like, you know, you couldn't, there's not a lot of other MS's that you would have been able to get through, and I'm saying I'm glad I didn't go into the Navy, because I would have went nuts on that ship.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you do need to have a good head on your shoulders, and you need to be, I think you need to be really independent. Like, yeah. it's, I mean, you still got all your friends, and it's still sort of like a fraternity and, and all that stuff, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just you and the water, and
1: you need to... You need to be comfortable in your own skin. Absolutely. So were you just on like one ship the whole five years or were you on like multiple ships?
2: No. Yeah. I had two deployments. So the first one I said was just like in Virginia. That wasn't too, I mean, for me wanting to do it for traveling, that was like, Oh, are you serious? Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, I wanted to go to Europe, but, and then my second deployment was pretty much throughout the Middle East. Uh, yeah abu dhabi dubai jordan yemen um and um yeah some of those places like i said you only stop for like two or three days yeah and then it's it's gone
1: um, yeah i heard abu dhabi is like a really big spot where all the ships will go and fuel up and get more more supplies and stuff like that
2: yeah that was a quick quick in and out um but uh yeah as far as like seeing the world. I mean, maybe I would have felt different if I went to, like, Spain or something. Right. Um, Because, I know that was the sixth fleet for Europe, but yeah, two deployments in five years, and five years is sort of the standard for, you know, Navy and culinary CSs,
1: but... So how many, uh, you know, CSs are on a ship at a... a, You know, on average, you know, like, how many guys do you get to like work next to on, on an average you think
2: that's a good question probably i mean it's so different because then you have the cs's that you'd never see that are just cooking for individual officers um and then the night shifts people that you never see and then you know once you get moved on another ship then it sort of you know the staff is cut in half um so, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many people. Um, so, I mean, not more than a hundred.
1: So I got to ask definitely. you, I know you're saying it's yeah. kind of like the same thing every day, you know, but have you ever seen that movie Waiting? Waiting? No. Ah, oh, it's a funny movie. Then you wouldn't really get this question, but do you, is there any like goofing off that you do between the other CSs in there, like in between meal preps and stuff like that that's like, you guys just do for fun like you know just a little harassing each other
2: i will say the the cs's it's i mean that's obviously who you're gonna be closest to if you're a cs um it is really fun i mean this isn't like messing with people or whatnot but yeah. it it really helps your morale knowing that you know you are pretty much in charge of the food you guys if you're a cs you're setting the best food aside for for you guys you that's yeah. your chow um so i think that strengthens the bond between cs's is just it's so funny to say but just the food like simple things like the food that's such an important thing when you're out in sea and it's like because a lot of times they give you boring recipes and you have to follow it like right um like if you're making chicken i mean barely like unseasoned it's just like make it by the card you know, sometimes you can put a little twist on it, but I mean, you got to get care. You, you got to be careful sometimes, but, uh, yeah. yeah when, a certain when amount of stuff, Exactly. And when you're a CS, you can, you know, make your own food. Like, okay, we're seasoning our chicken, you know, we're, we're going to make sure we eat good. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like hazing and whatnot, or just like messing around, um, yeah, I mean, we, we try to, we, we make little, bets and like who has to do the dishes or whatever right. and like but just like normal kitchen stuff if you've ever worked like a kitchen job at anywhere
3: you know
2: nothing like i would say stands out
1: okay All
2: right. now do you, you still have to
1: story? you still have to pull duty or like watch or anything like that when you're as a cs or you kind of get the uh get out of jail free card there
2: yeah i mean it depends i some people yeah do me not really um my my memories are just mostly literally just four thirty to to like six or seven p m and and then afterwards just either working out or like reading a book and then rinse and repeat right um but um like i mean yeah time is ridiculous- i i do have one funny story not really funny story but a funny experience. You asked me if I had any crazy experiences and I told yeah. you where well, we did this. Um one time I did pee my pants while while working and that was just because it was a long day. It was very busy. Didn't have <laughs> a chance to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And um and accidents happen. And um probably you know I'm glad nobody knew I did it in the kitchen. Because I'm sure I would have been <laughs> yeah. reprimanded as as I deserved or whatever. But um, yeah, that was probably the most embarrassing thing that happened to me.
1: Yeah, it's a good well, thing you didn't get caught in the in the kitchen like that. Because, like like you said, you know, reprimanded would have been huge. I'm sure somebody would have been like, "Hey, you know, one of your CSs back there's got piss all over his pants and he's cooking my chicken." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I can't imagine what what would happen because I I don't think. Even they would know how to discipline me, right? Like, what that has probably never happened. (laughs) But, um, yeah, sanitation is important.
3: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Um, so what do you do when you're like, were you like, what do you guys actually do when you're back at, 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 in garrison at base and stuff like that? Do you guys just go to like the normal chow halls and then get like set hours or?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, Go to like normal. Just try to experience normal life as much as possible. You can still like order um you can like order food, you know, DoorDash or Grubhub or whatever right. area you're in.
1: Um Well I'm saying like when but, you're when you're not on ship, you're not on deployment, you're just back. Like have you ever done any time at a at a duty station in the US? Not too much, but um right.
2: I think I remember a stint where where I wasn't um, on deployment. Like I said, I, I mean, it's really just a haze from... Right. I mean, uh, it's like a five-year blur. I feel like... I mean, was that not your experience? Do You, you seem like you have specific memories.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. You know, you, you brain dump a lot of your service time, like what you did in, in service. And it's not maybe because... Not, it couldn't be. It may not be one little incident that happened that you're just like, all right, I want to forget that. Or it's just things that you do forget. And every veteran out there forgets certain things and and stuff like that, which is not a big deal. Um, but you know, everybody's like I said, you know, that everybody's experience is different. And that's what I wanted to start this podcast for, is to get the word out there that, like, listen, you know, your experience is going to vary. You know, so like. You know, like you, you're like, you know, I, I cooked for, you know, 14 hours a day and, then I read a book and I went to sleep. I did it for five fucking years. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I would probably try to brain, brain dump that whole thing too. You
2: yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. It's honestly felt more like a job. Yeah. Than you know, serving my country or whatever. Um. But, um, yeah, it's just like every other job I try to forget about.
1: Okay. So now you're getting out. Now walk me through. So now you're getting out of the Navy. So now you're like, yes, here we go. I'm getting out of the ship. I'm on land. I'm never going deep sea fishing. I'm never going back on the water. <laughs> and yeah. so then you go back home to Minnesota. And at any point, where you kind of like, I mean, I I, I assume that you were happy getting out, but you know, did you miss it being in, you know, it's, it's it's a tough question for you. And I understand. No, I know what you mean. I know (laughs) what you mean.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, I do like miss, I mean, you, nostalgia is a funny thing, right? Like you, you can be going through the most miserable part of your life and you think it's the most miserable thing. But, you know, years later, you're like, that maybe wasn't so bad, you know? Right. You know, there was something in the air that year, but, um, I I do sort of like the, it's just, I I love like just being out in the the nature and and just you in the water. And like, obviously there's a bunch of people and a bunch of things in your day to day. Right. But at the end of the day, you're, you're just, it's just you in the water and it's a very serene feeling. I don't know if other branches get that sort of, I don't want to call it a luxury, but you know. I'm sure it's different. All other branches, I'm sure. But yeah, the atmosphere and just just the I'm a very independent person and I like being alone and I like my alone time. So
3: right.
2: I I sort of reminisce about that. I don't know how true that, you know, actually was or like, you know, you're you share a, a bunk with, you know, there's three bunks and you know, you're
1: not really alone with people. There's yeah, you're on a ship. Everybody's packed in there. Exactly. And there is no new so, uh, alone time. So that, that must have been tough for you just right then and there, just you know, going through all that. No wonder your your brain dumped most of it. You know, I would've Yeah. Um yeah. But somebody that's that likes to be alone, I just want to say thank you for at least coming on this podcast and you know, reaching out and uh you know, just talking to me. It's kinda of fun. I'm having yeah. a good time, so um so, what did you, you know, what are you, what are you doing now since you, since you got out? You know, was there any like, period where you're just kind of like, you know, I start my own restaurant or yeah, I'm just done with cooking. I'm ordering food from Grubhub for the rest of my life.
2: Yeah, pretty much exactly that. <laughs> um, don't really cook anymore. I mean, just besides the basic food you need to survive. Um, and, uh, yeah, I started a podcast like yourself. Yep. Um, it's not really military centric or anything. Well, what's the um, podcast about? It's called, this is not a podcast, the podcast. Um, okay. you can Listen to it on Apple and Spotify right now. And it's just pretty much essentially about making a podcast in 2020. Okay. Um, well, in 2021 now, as we go into the next year, it's just pretty much the, you know, ups and downs of being a podcaster and I sort of share some insight into, you know, what it's like promoting, um, a Spotify ad or promoting a tweet on Twitter and, you know, how it works and, um, how, how, how the Spotify algorithm works and, you know, is it worth doing this? Is it worth doing that? How to promote your podcast, Okay. how to get the word out, you know, guerrilla style to people. Um, patreon all how to make money with your podcast um it sounds like i need to be listening
1: to this your podcast so
2: (laughs) i mean yeah it's it gets a little funny at times it gets crazy um for example when um i did the episode about promoted tweets on twitter i don't know if you have a twitter or not or if you've ever used it
1: i thought about it but i'm so honestly i you know, everything else, you know, the Facebook and the Instagram and everything else I'm on takes up a lot of my time. The Reddit, the Discord, and everything else. So,
2: mm. yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily recommend it, but especially after listening to the episode, you'll probably be steered away from it because essentially per- promoted a tweet for the minimum, which is $50, and a bunch of K pop stands. You know what a K pop stand is? I don't. It's K pop is just like a genre of music, Korean pop music okay and a stan is someone who's like obsessed it's like a fangirl okay or a fangoy and they're obsessed with k-pop but they're like they're like their own army so they all like spammed under my tweet because whenever they see a promoted tweet on their page they'll spam under it to sort of like ruin it or whatever or to like right whatever because that's their ironic sense of humor and um And they post these like videos that they've made, of like their Korean idols, like sort of like music videos that they make that they try to get views on. It's really weird. It's like it's a own little rabbit hole. So the podcast sort of takes, you know, left and right turns
1: like that. Okay. So So, yeah, I don't recommend Twitter. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I see our president gets in trouble with Twitter a lot, so I don't need to be on there either. Yeah, it's very combative. Yeah. So, well, why don't, I'm going to ask you then. Uh, once we're done here, why don't you send me over a, a link to your show, your podcast show, and I'll put it in the description there for any of the listeners that want to want to uh, learn more about podcasting, the in, you know the in and outs of it. Go ahead and, and listen to Logan's uh, podcast there. I know I will because yeah. I'm gonna. I don't know what the hell I'm doing.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, maybe for you, I'd recommend the Patreon episode, sort of learn how to monetize your podcast and Yeah. Um yeah, I've sort of just started it and
1: uh it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, well my how biggest
2: podcasting for?
1: Uh for this podcast I've been up for a little over a year now, but um there's a couple months in there when I broke my wrist and you know mm-hmm. when COVID first happened I was you know, had a lot going on, so I didn't really do a whole lot of stuff for this podcast and I really got back into it couple months ago really and uh you know now it's it's starting to really really take off and i gotta you know thank my guests like yourself and all my fellow guests and all my listeners and this and the reviews i'm getting and everything else and uh you know really helping us go it's motivating me and it's you know i'm getting a lot of feedback from some of the listeners out there saying hey you know you know, a couple of guys already reached out to me like, dude, I love your podcast and I don't want to be on it, but I love it. It's great content, stuff like that, which really motivates me, which really yeah pushes me to do it even more, you know? So. Yeah.
2: The best thing when people appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. Consistency too is important. I think I saw you took like a little hiatus or something at some point during the podcast, but like once you start cranking them out, yep. continually people, uh, you know, whatever it is, the algorithm for podcasts, you know, you, you get pushed more or
1: whatever. Right. Yeah, my biggest thing, it was just uh, – I was having a hard time trying to find one guest for a while. Mm. So, in my show, obviously, it's very guest-driven. You know, without a guest, I don't do an episode, really. Unless there's yeah. something in, like, Marine Corps times or something big that happens, then I'll put an ep- – up. Uh, you know, I'll do a bonus out there. But, um, yeah, I'll definitely listen to your Patreon, too, because I put a bonus out there and I made it known that everything that I get – money wise and profit wise off the merchandise and everything else is all going to mission 22 anyways for this mm-hmm. podcast. Every, you know, I'm not taking nothing. I'm working. I get my 501 C, but you know, there's a huge fee that goes with that to, to start that up. So I'm trying to save up money to just get to five on one. But
2: yeah, that's the good thing. I think people, I think people for the most part know that like you're not doing this because you want to, you know, get rich quick or something like right. it's. Passionate thing you feel passionate for, and um people also don't understand all the time that gets put into podcasting and editing, yep. and like you said, booking the guests, and you know, I'm sure the early days you had to do a lot of like deep dives onto Reddit and oh, Discord, yeah. and maybe huh. still doing that, but oh, yeah. um yeah, it's it's a it's a grind. So if you do end up starting a, do you have a Patreon now? Or
1: I do for the podcast. Yep, it's a uh, Patreon. Oh, I got a website, it's AmericanVetPodcast.com, and there's links in there yeah, to go everywhere. The yep, there's a link to go yeah. in there.
2: Everyone listening, go support him on Patreon if you're digging, digging the show. Um, definitely go support it on Patreon. I don't know what your tears are, but
1: yeah, I got a few tears, but I'm gonna, once again, like you know, like I said, I gotta do some more research on there. I, I want to offer the listeners a little bit more, but you know, um. I think that's so, the interesting thing that
2: I have learned is that Patreon has said that people who support your show generally care less about the incentives and just want to support you. And right. that's that's what I found is true. Like um focus less about like the bonus content that you're supplying and right. when you do supply it, have it be quality, you know. Okay. Like I don't know if i are going to do like bonus episodes or extended interviews or whatnot. But um, I think, yeah, people mostly just want to support you. Like I literally got pretty much all my patrons before I made the episode about um, that I had a Patreon. Okay. Like I just had a link in my Twitter bio and people were clicking on my page and saw it. And I w- hadn't even promoted it. Didn't Perfect. even say support me or I have a Patreon. People like saw sought it out found it and then supported me with like nothing posted on the page. So absolutely for the most part people just want to support you um, when, when, when you're, you know, making content that they
1: love. Right. Yeah. And I just want to make it clear again, you know, all the, even Patreon in my store and everything else, all of it's going to go to the mission 22 anyways. Um So, but no, my biggest thing is with, with this is just getting it, getting out to get more listeners because hearing these stories really, not only it helps me, but I feel like it helps a lot of my guests too, and it helps a lot of my listeners out there to know that whatever you did in service, maybe differ, but a lot of times it's the same outcome when we can we all get out of the service and stuff like that, and you know we all go through the same struggles, yeah. you know. So that was the biggest main thing is to end the twenty-two a day and show people that like, listen, you know, you didn't deploy, I didn't deploy. And yeah, it eats me up, and it, you know, but I deal with it, um. And I got through my struggles; it was definitely possible. And then I became a way better person than I ever thought I ever could be. That's what I want. That's another reason why I want to do the podcast. I'm trying to get it out there. Trying to get everybody to know, you know, what's going on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love it, and uh, I mean, if you're listening, if you're still listening, you love it too. So. Yeah. Support the show any way you can. Yeah, Leave a review, too. If you can't afford the money, go leave them a review. Yeah, review. Share it.
1: Put it on your... Ultimately, like I said, I'm trying to get somebody's story. Like your story right now with with being a CS and on the ship and just the repetitive stuff every day and and your brain dumping it and everything else. There could be another veteran out there that could be going through the same... same crap that you're going through with brain dumping it and you know, being a very alone person. And then now you're on ship and you're sleeping with three other dudes for five years and you're doing a repetitive shit every day. And who knows, maybe now that, you know, he'll, he'll listen to this episode and be like, Hey shit, I'm not the only one, you know, Logan feels the same way as I do. So I'm not, I'm not any, any weaker than any other veteran out there.
2: Yeah. I think that's, even in a grander view of that, I think that's the best thing about podcasting in general is that you yep. get different perspectives, all kinds um of perspectives and not just one sort of this is how it is, um, right. like we've sort of been accustomed to in just traditional media and regular TV and, you know,
1: whatever. Right, whatever. And you know the stigma that comes with it too, like all oh, your military also you must be bad, you know badass, you know your your, your mental state's got to be hyper all the time, and you know nothing can bring you down. you're a superhero, but reality is is a lot of us are not like that, no, you know what I mean, like you you want to be left alone, and then you're kind of like, well, let me see I'm gonna go on on this podcast here, and I tremendously say thank you for that, but you know you're you're going out of your out of your bubble per se and Going on to a different podcast that you don't run, that you don't judge where it goes, and um, you know, and just show people out there like we're human, we're also a band of brothers too. I got your back, you got mine. You know, I got a couch here if you ever need it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs)
1: Logan, I want to say thank you for uh, for jumping on here once again. Thank you for jumping on here and saying what you. I have to say, and I'll put – give me a show link, and I'll put it in my show description, and maybe my some of my listeners are thinking about starting up their own podcast, and they can get some advice from you. I know I'm going to.
2: Yeah. I mean, 2021, fresh start.
1: Wouldn't be bad to start a podcast in January. True. Logan, thank you again, and listeners, thank you for listening to another episode of the American Vet Podcast, and stay tuned for upcoming episodes.
0: The price for this freedom at times has been high. But we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.